0: Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure.
1: Nicole Kerr is our guest today. Now, she is a special person because she serves as my executive assistant. And I got to tell you, she absolutely hits it out of the park. And I give thanks to the Lord for sending Nicole to serve so capably. I mean, I know I am blessed. However, that's not the reason that Nicole is our guest today. And before we get into what that is, Nicole, I want to welcome you and ask you, besides being a right arm to me, you are a busy wife and mom. You've got two small children. Uh, Tell us about those delightful little boys that you and Aaron have in their ages.
0: Yeah, thank you, Randall. Um it is an honor to be here. It's a little weird because I'm typically on the other end getting other people's <laughs> schedules. You so are. when my name came <laughs> up, I'm like, "Oh no. <laughs> like what do I do here?" So um so yeah, it's a little bit uh, different, but I am very honored to be here. Um but like yeah, like you said, I am a wife to Aaron. Um he's amazing, and then we have two young ones, Banaya, who will be turning 4 in November. Um, oh, wow. but I've been telling people he's four since January. So um, <laughs> and then Jonathan, who actually will be one, is one in September. So, uh, yeah, so they are a handful. They are um a joy. I when I was pregnant with Benaya, we prayed for joy, and he absolutely, Exudes that, and with Jonathan, we prayed peace, and he is such a chill baby. So, <laughs> so far, that's that's gone well for us. <laughs>
1: uh, balance each other out a little bit. Yes. Huh? yes. <laughs> well, you are blessed. They are two little keepers. Now, uh, that the reason uh, this podcast will be airing initially in October and that's that's national pregnancy and infant loss awareness month so that's why we're we're talking with you about this today because one in every four women will experience this kind of loss in their lifetime either during pregnancy infant loss for whatever the reason may be and you have been in that number nicole and so that's why we're airing this edition of better roads in october so let me set the scene first of all from outside appearances someone looking at your family would think that hey everything's been perfect for you but we who know you know that your journey to parenthood was at times a painful road in fact you when you weren't in the office i remember hearing you know a couple of ladies in our office saying this is when you're having difficulty having a child to full term and i remember a couple of ladies in our office i heard the conversation saying ah If there's anyone who ought to be able to become a mother, it's Nicole. She would be such a great mom. So that's what others were saying about you. So what we want to do today is ask you, would you allow us to see into your heart? Talk to us a little bit about what that road was like for you, Nicole.
0: Yeah. um, I I was in that ballpark of like, I'm supposed to be a mom and you know, I think a lot of women are, you that's the plan, you get married, you have kids, and and we just kind of take that for granted. Um, but um, so Aaron and I got married um, in 2014. We were both in our late 20s. Um, so uh, we were okay, you know, trying a little bit sooner to have a family just because we were a little bit older. Um, and I found out I was pregnant um, after about six months into our first year. Um, and so we were super excited. We were um, over the top. And we decided that at Thanksgiving, we we're going to tell our family. And so we did that we we got our whole family together. And we did one of those like, Okay, we're all going to get together and do this picture. And somebody has a camera. And then on mm-hmm. the count of three, we're going to take this picture and Nicole's pregnant and capture everybody's mm-hmm. faces. And so we had that memory. Um, you know, and shared that joy with everybody. And then that weekend um, I showed signs of miscarriage. Um, And so I didn't know what was going on, (laughs) uh, but knew that this something was not right. And so um, they, you know, went to the doctor, nothing was wrong. Sometimes this thing happens, doesn't mean anything's wrong. Um, So we got pregnant a few months later um, again, and then I also miscarried again. Um, typically they doctors don't test until you've had three consecutive miscarriages to see if there's something wrong, but I think probably given my age and, um, they just how quickly both of them happened, they decided to do tests and, um, everything came out normal. Everything was ordinary. Um, I used to be terrified of needles, but let's just say like, I've gotten a little bit used to it at this point, but, um, and I don't remember exactly, um, where in the timeline, um, but it was sometime, um, around or after my second miscarriage, they put me on some medicine to help with my hormone levels, um, and helpfully uh, keep things, um, moving along in pregnancy, um, and they were—they made me crazy. They—they they, they made me feel like I was losing my mind because they mess mm. with your hormones, and and mm-hmm. I hated being on them. Um, mm-hmm. But there was no reason to not continue to try. They couldn't find anything wrong. I was on these meds, um, but for two years um, we could not get pregnant. We um, and so we ended up going back to doctors for more tests, but this time for infertility and seeing why I wasn't getting pregnant, as opposed to why I was miscarrying. Um, and there were still no answers. Um, so I was recommended to a um, specialist for fertility treatments. Um, and most people, when they think of fertility treatments, think of in vitro, which is a, it's a lot more invasive and there's a lot more controversy around that. That's not what we did. Um, so just so people are aware of that. Um, we, um, but this particular procedure, um, I could do three rounds of it. Um, before we had to think about trying something new. So the first time, uh, nothing happened. Um, Second time, I did get pregnant, but miscarried again. So at this point, um, it's been like three, three and a half years, three miscarriages. Um, A lot is going on at this point. And, And this is the part of the story that a lot of people don't no, but after the third miscarriage, um, we, I decided I didn't want to do that third treatment. We were just giving it to God completely. Like if this is supposed to happen, then God's going to have to make it happen. We're not going to, I can't, I couldn't be on this medicines again, because I was, it was making me crazy. So, um, during that time, we were actually approached by some dear friends of ours about the opportunity to adopt a little boy um and so we prayed about it and things just kind of lined up and fit that i think we're supposed to move forward with this i think we're supposed to move forward and and he was in the foster care system so we had to become foster parents um mm-hmm. in order to adopt from the system right. yes. um so we felt like that god was giving us the green light on this so we um moved forward with the, the paperwork um but it kind of stalled out really quickly they are the system was just so overloaded they didn't have enough people to like move people along and do the the classes that you were required to do and the home visits um so we kind of stalled out a little bit and um it ended up being that this baby had to be adopted by another family they you know couldn't wait for for us to get approved they needed to get a placement and so there was a loss in that as well that a lot oh, of yes. people don't realize, you know, we, sure. we, I mean, I still have pictures of this little boy on my phone that oh, every wow. once in a while I'll go to and just pray for him, you know, because mm. we, That's you know, we didn't get to meet him. So we didn't move that far along, but it was still a loss. Mm. Um, But when all this was going on, I did find out that I was pregnant again without medical intervention and um, it was Benaya. So we, um it was just a miracle. It was just, there he is. We got, we have Benaya. no reason, rhyme or reason, but um, <laughs> <laughs> there he was. So, um, so yeah, and that was amazing. And and we, our lives Indeed. were super full. Um, and about a year um, after he was born, I found out I was pregnant again. Years. And I don't remember if I got around to telling anybody that we were pregnant this time, um, because right around there, my brother was getting married. And so there's just all that stuff going on. I think maybe and it was right around Christmas. So we might have been thinking, oh, we'll, we'll share on Christmas time after the wedding and just keep this about my brother and, and sister-in-law. Um, but I ended up miscarrying that weekend of their wedding. And so obviously we didn't tell anybody at that time either, because mm.
1: Mm.
0: this was about them. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to make it, you know, a sorrowful time about sure. us. And so we kind of uh, had to we suffered through that a little bit alone. There was one friend that was there that I could find it in just because if physically I couldn't be a part of the wedding, I wanted somebody to know what was going on. Um and then Christmas happened and New Year's. And so we didn't really process that one um very well. Uh um, and then I ended up miscarrying one more time um before getting pregnant with Jonathan, with our little Jonathan. So I had seven pregnancies, five miscarriages, two little boys, and about uh five and a half years wow nicole
1: wow that this is a huge test for you and we're gonna Mm of course, we know how the story ends it's a good outcome you got these two delightful little boys but (laughs) oh wow along the way this journey and this is a this is what i want to talk about today because there are other people no doubt listening today who are dealing with their own kinds of losses and how do you process all of that? And uh, first of all, I want to back up you, you know, probably two or three times you said, because of my age, because of my age, uh, you know, you were still in your thirties though. Okay. I don't want people to think mm. you're 50 years old and trying no. to pull this <laughs> off. So
0: <laughs> yeah, but it just, and any woman that goes through this, the knows that there's, there's a certain age that medically, yes. they just Prime. kind of flip the switch on you and they kind of make you feel bad. So, but it, yeah, it, but there's no reason that you can't have, you know, right, after, right. But I think that the medically, they always treat you different.
1: <laughs> sure. And, and, you know, as, as you're, we're really talking about how you process all of this today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I can imagine when I mean, you and Aaron love the Lord, serve the Lord, you this matter of a possible adoption, you placed it before the Lord and thought maybe that might be the way. And, and you would have been happy to go that way had, had the Lord led you to continue on with it. But, but five miscarriages, during this time, I would think you probably had some rather intense conversations with God. Ah, can you tell us a little bit about how all of that went?
0: Yeah. You know, I think the the main question is always why, you know, I, mm-hmm. it just why? Why me? Why did this happen? Is there something wrong with me? You know, all the different forms of why. Um, what did i do wrong you know that's that's always a really big one for women going through this of like okay well if i would have done this differently would this have happened or mm-hmm. um you know and even even on the the spiritual side of things like lord is there you know did i upset you did i you know why is this you know you you kind of go through all of those um things and and the spectrum of emotions from sadness and confusion to to anger and resentment you know, um yeah you know, you, especially when I see, you know, teenagers having kids or, or women yes. that don't even yes. want to be pregnant oh, or getting yes. pregnant. And, right. and so, yeah. So there was a lot of those conversations of, of why Lord, what's, you know, why is this happening? And, um, but a lot of soul searching and also just kind of digging in deeper to, okay, God, like who, this is what you say. Who you say you are, and so, and and really just battling. Okay, and lining that up with what is happening and how I'm feeling. Um, mm-hmm. There was a mm-hmm. lot of of just searching through that, as well.
1: Yeah. So you're you're confronted with, do I believe what I've always believed?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Sometimes like this. Yep. So I've known people who you know were in the process of waiting for a child, and like you have gone through a very difficult time. This seems like it's so difficult. And I can only wonder when you see other people who do not want to have children, and it seems like they're almost like baby factories. I mean, just bang, 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 the baby's and Here you are prayerfully asking the Lord to answer your prayer. But, but sometimes people who have been in that situation, and then when they see someone else, a friend, for instance, or you know a relative who becomes pregnant, Uh, You know, it it could become tearful and maybe even jealous. And yet something I did observe about you during this whole time, Nicole, and I didn't even know everything that was going on, of course, just it was a very difficult time for you. I noticed that you were very intentional. Um, you, You seemed genuinely excited when another couple was found to be with a child even while you were waiting for your own bundles of joy, you know, and I, and I know, I remember there would sometimes be a little tear in your eye, but you were, you were rejoicing. And and I think that had to have been challenging where you you're happy for someone else, but, but their cause for joy is actually a reminder of your own pain. How, how did you manage all of that?
0: Um, I think you said it right with just being intentional. I, I was very intentional um, early on that I was going to rejoice with those that rejoice um, because we 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 intimately knew how much of a miracle having a baby was. And so we wanted to make sure that we were um, rejoicing in that miracle when we saw it happen around us. Um, And it wasn't, it wasn't always easy, you know, in the course of those, you know, four and a half years before Benai was born, there were a lot of baby showers that I went to. Um, And I I think it also took a lot of being mindful of where I was at in each given season, each given day really um, on what I could handle and what I couldn't handle. Um, I know there were times when I did go to these baby showers, you know, obviously I was super excited and for them, by looking back at them, I noticed that I always kept myself busy. Like I was always the person mm-hmm. helping them with the the gifts and like making sure everything was mm-hmm. organized. I didn't let myself just sit. Cause I knew I, yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> yes. um, and there were times where I did have to pull away a little bit and I couldn't, you know, go just depending on the the season or how raw it was depending on uh, how close it was to a miscarriage. Um, but God just really called me to, um, to pray for other women and just broke my heart for other women who were going through what I was going through. Um, and so particularly those friends of ours that I knew had had similar situations and were pregnant again, like I would get on my knees and pray for them. Like, Mm. and, and I think that was, um, it was helpful for me. It's hard to be selfish and think about my own issues when I'm Praying for other people. Wow, that's um, powerful. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. powerful in any setting. It absolutely is. Mm-hmm. I know that your journey, you share it today, Nicole, is resonating with uh, people. So, you touched upon a little bit at the how intentional you had to be, and you you kept yourself busy and all that. Mm-hmm. But is there anything else you'd like to share with us for those people who this is really resonating with them about what what kind of other ways of the personal toll that miscarriages have on you? Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it's you don't realize how lonely something like that you can be Uh, I think Mm -hmm. you know you think well of course everybody loves you and wants to support you but you feel very very alone Um, and especially in this kind of a situation um, because there isn't there isn't a body there isn't a funeral there isn't a Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't memories to share with people. It's literally just your dreams for this mm. child.
1: Yes.
0: And, and it can be super, super lonely. And, and, you know, and people mean well, but people don't know how to deal with people <laughs> going through loss. You know, we we That's don't know true. how to handle that. Oh. Um, so that was something that we definitely had to work through um, the loneliness. Um, but it, it's also painful <laughs> um, physically. Um, and so that it, that takes, you know, took its toll um, um, a lot. And, and so each time we, we would, you know, decide, okay, are we going to try again? I really had to wade through. Am I ready to go through this physically, the, emo- yeah, the roller coaster yeah. of emotions that go through, yeah. like it changes, you know, anybody that's been pregnant or been around a pregnant woman knows that it messes with your hormones and your emotions. And so just having to wade through that, like it's um, and another thing that I, I didn't realize until the second time, Well, actually when when I was pregnant with Benaiah and we were further along than we ever were before, it kind of sucked the joy out of pregnancy. You know, all the things that I remember doing the first time I was pregnant of like, you know, going through and counting through the days of like, okay, when is they going to be born? And like, or the different names and all that. I was a little bit more hesitant.
1: Yeah, am I going to make it all the way? Yeah, because
0: you just, you don't want to get your hopes up. And so- you know, and all the things of like a baby shower, it, it's just, it's hard, you know, and and we always wanted to have name, we had names picked out early. I I kind of didn't want to find out if it was a boy or a girl, because I knew I would place a name to that. And I'm like, but then what if they mm-hmm. pass away? And what if we don't make it? And so it kind of steals a little bit of that excitement, even though you're we obviously still joyful and, and loved that experience of being pregnant. But yeah, it kind of steals that that
1: joy as well from you. Yeah. Yeah. So you had, you had seven mountains to climb and you made it to the mm-hmm. peak twice. Mm-hmm. You're saying of all those experiences you're dealing with. Yeah. So, and as you said, you know, uh, people, that's all of us, we can be pretty clumsy <laughs> at times. Uh, you know, we want to say something and sometimes, oftentimes just end up sticking our foot in our mouth, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it can be pretty awkward. We can be dumb. I know we can <laughs> do these kinds yeah. of things, but let's look on the positive side though. Uh, what did people do that helped you through those times? What could people do if mm-hmm. they're, if they know someone like this, what's, what's most helpful time like this? And maybe I should also ask, you know, add on to that, you know, what this is like for Aaron and how he came alongside you too.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, we just naturally don't know what to do when people are in in grief, and no matter what kind of grief it is, um but just acknowledging um what was going on when people would just come along say and like or alongside me and just acknowledge it and and ask me how I'm feeling and sometimes it can feel to the person uh, asking these questions like, how are you doing? It feels very uh. I don't know, empty. I guess sometimes, like, yeah. of course they're doing horrible, but yeah. the fact that people ask, it's like, okay, you're thinking of me. It's acknowledging that there was a loss. It's because mm-hmm. um, that was what was hard. Like I said before, when you you don't have this memorial service or this body, it's okay. Yes, yeah, there I lost somebody. It's it kind of feels like, okay, did this happen? Was there anything that it just doesn't feel real? And so acknowledging sure. it was is huge. Um, and we had some dear friends of ours that um had become a, like a third set of grandparents to our boys now um but jan and steve matthews they were actually on one of your veterans episodes a few months ago yes. mm-hmm. um they um were amazing they walked through us um from the, the beginning through it and um so it was after Let's see. When was that one? It's always hard to get the timeline right, but I think it was after our fourth miscarriage. So it was actually the one where my brother's wedding. So we really didn't get a chance to like process or we just kind of had to move on for it. After that one, they um, held kind of a private memorial service for Aaron and I and them. um, And they, it was just, it was beautiful. They had little teddy bears that represented each of the babies so we got to hold each wow. one of them and oh, Jan wow. spoke Beautiful. something about each one. And so we had that memorial service and and that was so, so good for our hearts mm-hmm. just to, to acknowledge it. And now we have those teddy bears and it's just that, you know, little mm-hmm. reminder of, you know, those little angels in heaven. So, um, so yeah, I think just acknowledging and just being there for people that are going through, um, these situations. Ignoring them is not the key. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ignoring, yeah, being Feeling uncomfortable yourself and then so just ignoring the situation, that doesn't help
1: yep, anybody. I hear you. So, so you, yeah. and you, you know, the fact that you're a Christian, obviously, is you're not just looking to people, you're looking yeah, to the right. Lord. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, were there any specific scripture passages or maybe, you know, mm-hmm. songs, worship songs or anything that were particularly meaningful to you?
0: Yeah, I have a, um, a plaque that I made, um, that has the verse, um, from Ecclesiastes 11, five, um, just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb. So you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. And that was Mm. comforting to us just of you know, we don't know what's going on and, and not that God caused any of this, but God is working and God is active even in the midst of these things. And, um, know even when we don't understand how things work or why they're working he's still in control Um, so that one uh, i have that on a little uh, plaque at our house Um, but we we always have worship going we've always had worship going on in our house aaron helps lead worship Um, but there was a particular um, song that came out um, around our second miscarriage great are you lord Mm -hmm. and The words, um, I'm not going to sing it for you, Aaron's the the worship leader here, Um, so I'll just speak them. Um, You're on. Yeah. yeah. Um, But it says that um, you give life, you are love, you bring light in the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that's broken. Great are you, Lord. Mm -hmm. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. We pour out a praise to you only. And oh, that really, like, I just remember um, listening. We were in our first little apartment together, sitting on a our, our love seat, just weeping and, mm. and just singing these songs just together. We, Aaron and I together. Um, and so that was really powerful. And that's still to this day, like when he sings that one during service, it's, you know, we all, we both get a you little bet. emotional for that one as well.
1: Uh, it's a very healing. Or, yeah you know, yeah you know in a sense miscarriages are kind of like an abortion but they're not elective right. but but there are a lot of similarities there as your experiences you've had with miscarriages does that in any way affect you about how you view abortion and different insights about it
0: i was uh, when i was thinking through about this i was saying well i kind of take this very personally but the more I thought about it, the more I realized everybody that has an opinion about this takes it personally. I mean, that's why it's such a heated argument. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, it's personal for you for some reason. And um, so I really can only speak to my why, for me, it's personal. Um, it's It's always been something that I've always been against. but I when people, use excuses of um, women's rights like that. That's the big one right now that they they've making it about women's rights. And, and I can, I can see where they're coming from, but it ultimately comes down to, is this a life or not? Is that a life that's That's in the mother's womb? And so those that are on the side of no, it's not, you know, I, I take that personally because either this isn't a life and it's just a collection of cells, or it is a life, but it's not worth anything. And so it's okay to be destroyed. And so on this end of things on the miscarriage side, then it's like either, you know, I, we we as Christians, we fully believe that this is a life, like that the life begins sure at conception. Um, so then the other argument then they have is it's not worth anything. So that they're saying that it's that my loss is almost pointless, or that me, me grieving these losses is pointless. And, and and that's just hard for me to, to wrap my brain around that these, that these lives, that people think that they aren't worth anything to be protected. Um, but, but God values each and every single life um, from the moment of conception. And so, so yeah, so I, I get, I get super emotional about a, you know, the topic of of abortion, because I, you know, I didn't have a choice in whether or not I could keep those babies. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And yet there's people that want to argue that, that they should, you know, it's, it's hard to to talk through my, my thoughts on that, but. um, You're doing okay. Yeah. But it just comes down to knowing that, that God values each of those lives and, Mm -hmm. and he was, he was willing to make the ultimate sacrifice, you know, for each one of those. Um, so it's hard when people want to end that life because it's inconvenient, or, you know, yes. and, and, and I know there's other arguments about, you know, different reasons why people, you know, have an abortion, but yeah, it's just, it ultimately comes down to the value of life and,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and each one of them is precious.
1: That's right. Amen. You know, I, I'm wondering if we can maybe draw from this road, this journey that you've been on regarding miscarriages, and maybe we could just help draw from that and apply it to some other situations at all for our also for our listeners today. So, you know, uh, most of us though, um, you know, we, we've we not experienced as many losses as you have in this short period of time. I mean, it was over those years, you were dealing mm-hmm. with a lot. Most of us, virtually everyone, I'd say listening in on today, we have dealt with loss. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be the loss of the dreams we had for our lives. It could be, you know, loss of a job, loss of a loved one mm-hmm. um, other than your child, uh, also others who are loved ones, you know, the loss of expectations of dreams that are crushed. Uh, could could you translate for us, you know, from what you learned in your experiences here to help others that are currently Processing their own grief. What just what would you like to suggest and encourage them with?
0: One of the things that God walked me through during um, the seasons that we went through um, was the story of Abraham and Isaac. Um, he really took me back through that, um, and I think this can be applicable through any kind of loss. But um, as you know, Abraham had this dream. It was a promise given to him by God, um, but God asked him to lay it down and sacrifice that dream, sacrifice Isaac, um, back to him. And, and so as we read that story, it's really just a story of of faith because God, you, you look at Abraham as he's taking Isaac and he doesn't weep and wail and beg God to change his mind and say, but God, like, this is what you told me. And this is what, you know, I'm supposed to have. And you owe this to me. Um, he, he was willing to, to make that sacrifice. He even told Isaac that the Lord will, would provide, um, when they got there, um, he knew what God had promised. And so he knew that if he had to kill his son, I believe he knew that God could raise him back to life. Um, mm-hmm. and so during this season, um, I felt like my dream kept dying. I felt like, um, you know, every time I got pregnant and miscarried it, this dream that I had to be a mother would was die. It would go up on this altar and it was dying. And, um, but God was reminding me that, um, just like with Abraham and Isaac, if I was willing to, to sacrifice that dream, to surrender it to God, that he could raise it back to life if needed. Um, and, um, yeah. And so I think it was just, I think that for any, any situation when, we have this expectation, we we come in with a dream, we come in with an expectation, we have to be willing to, to lay that down, and let God use it however he wants, because I think we get an idea of what it's supposed to look like, you know, we're supposed to um, have this, you know, perfect family, we're supposed to get married and have the, you know, 2.5 kids or whatever the statistic mm-hmm. is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but God doesn't promise it's going to look the way we think it's going to. And God doesn't promise um, that it's going to always, uh, that it's not going to hurt. But what he does promise is that he has what he has for us is good. Um, And so that's, I think, something that really um, I learned through this process for, for any kind of grief of just giving, giving that over to him.
1: So, so talking about this grieving process, we all know of people who can't seem to move beyond the uh-huh. grief. You know, they, they, they're stuck And you wrote in an article in the message magazine about uh, we can't remain in a state of mourning spelled you know m o u r n i n g that you know we're to just mourn for a season. Well, I know it's easy for we who are not writing grief right now. okay, I'm not dealing with the grief right now. You can mean well. You said how people don't know what to say, you know. Mm-hmm. You can mean well. We can come across like you're saying, okay, all right, it's time to get over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you have walked through these depths, mm-hmm. the depths of grief, and, and having to decide when is it time to move on. How can we know when that time is, Nicole?
0: I, I think it's different for everybody, and I don't think there's um, one cutoff date either. Um, I don't think you just kind of, I don't think you decide that, okay, I'm done. I moved on and then, and you're kind of over it. Um, but I do think that it is super, super important to allow ourselves to mourn. Um, and just a personal story from my first miscarriage. Um, it was incredibly, incredibly painful. Um, the first miscarriage that I had, and thankfully it wasn't as bad the rest of them, but, um, But I just remember a moment um, when I was like on the ground, like curled up, bawling because I was just in so much pain. And my mom had come over to be with me because Aaron had to go to work. Um, And so she was sitting there um, just praying and um, not really knowing what to do. Obviously, this is her first experience through it. Um, But she ended up being on the phone with my pastor's wife um, and just said, yes, Nicole lost the baby. And in that moment, I just hit me. I lost a baby Mm. and I just started bawling and the Lord, I felt like God spoke to me in that moment. Like if you're not going to mourn, because up until this point, I was like, okay, this happened, but I need to move on. Like I need to, I can't just stay here. I have to move on and get over it and move on. And, and God just spoke to me in that moment and said, if you're not going to mourn emotionally, your body's going to mourn. And as soon as I like just heard that, like yes, I lost a baby, and I just started bawling. Um, the pain went away instantly, and and so I really do feel like it was God's way of like pushing me to that point of like, no, you need to let yourself go through this emotional pain, or your body is gonna, you know, your body is gonna mourn, but you need to mourn emotionally as well. well um, and and Jesus, Jesus even went through that, you know, where with Lazarus, where he he could have, you know prevented Lazarus from dying, but he he allowed it and he went through that process of mourning. Um and so just like if we never experience physical darkness, we don't understand light, we need to allow ourselves to feel that that grief to understand the joy that comes from that other side of it. Um mm-hmm. and as far as when to move on, um it's the best advice I had from a friend. Um I was feeling guilty about the moving on. Like I wanted, I didn't I felt like I should move on, but I didn't want to act like this didn't happen. And how do mm-hmm. I manage this? Um, she mm-hmm. told me that I needed to have something to carry the memory for me. And so the the plaque I mentioned with the verse on it, um, I created that and I put like the date of the miscarriage and I put a little flower and the verse in there. And that served as kind of a a reminder where I could put this on the wall, it's there, I can remember, but I don't have to carry that burden of mourning around with me all the time. Yes. Um, and so, in each miscarriage, I added a date, I added a flower, um, but I didn't have to carry that around with me all the time. Um, and, and, but it's a process, and, and you don't just get over it with the one decide I'm done with it. Um, it, it affects you in ways you don't realize. Um, Actually, right before getting pregnant with Jonathan, um, went through um, something in our family that it wasn't related to pregnancy, but I had some extreme emotional reactions that weren't lining up with what was going on. Like, I was like, "This isn't right that I'm having these Mm -hmm. extreme emotions," and I realized, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm realized like I I'm holding on to some you know Mm -hmm. some of these emotions, and and I had to go and I I saw. a therapist, a professional therapist. And, and I think that that's important too. Sometimes you need to go to that Good and in yes. different in different seasons, you know, and, you know, and I had worked through things before, but there was still something I needed to work through and working through how to handle emotions when they do come up and surface. And so it's a continual process, and it's going to look different for everybody in every season and every step of of the process
1: well let, let's let's switch let's switch to the other side of this. You've been talking about the grieving. <clears throat> you know, when do we let go? but But there was this other aspect for you that you didn't let go of, and that was waiting with hope. Mm-hmm. You know what What would you say to someone who's listening today, and and they're in their own process of waiting? Maybe it's for a child, maybe it's some other dream or something else, but you've not only learned from the letting go of something, but you've learned also what it is to hold on to something. What would you like to say to those
0: folks? The waiting is there's a, there's beauty in waiting in the seasons. I think we look at it as wasted time. um, And I think that's a big mistake. Uh, I've been through several seasons of waiting, not just with starting a family waiting for my husband to come around and and just waiting for the right job. Um, and one thing that I got from there is that I always would ask God, what do you want me to learn in this season? Um, I mean, you know me well better than most people, but I don't like to just like, waste anything I'm like okay, if, <laughs> if we're going to go through this, I'm going to learn something. <laughs> From this um, that's you, <laughs> yeah, honey, yeah, um, and so when I get out of this season of waiting, I want to be able to walk in the fullness of what God has for me after that season. and so, um, so holding on, um, but I think also, like what I said before, is letting go of what your expectation for what it should look like. I think that's important too, and because I love to be able to tell everybody, just hold on, that'll give you that baby. but the reality is, it might not happen for some people. And, and that was a reality that I had to come to terms with too. I'm like, this might not happen for us. And am I going to be okay with it? Am I going to still believe that God is faithful and that God is still good? Even if I don't get what I want at the end That's of this. Good. Yeah. Um, And, and being okay with having those emotions, God can handle the emotions that we have. He can handle us being angry, you know, as long as we don't sin in that mm-hmm. anger, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but, just being able to to give it to god and and ask god what do you want for me in this season while i am waiting for the next thing that you have for me
1: as you know we call this better roads you're always the one setting this up with other people (laughs) to be in better roads and (laughs) and so really today we've been talking about roads Mm -hmm. and these roads many of them you know five out of the seven were Mm -hmm. uh, not by choice Those are the roads you found yourself walking on. You've been talking to us about things you learn out of all of that experience. But, but as you know, also we talk about what are some of the roads that we choose in life, Nicole. As you look back over your um, long life, because of your age now, as we're reminded, (laughs) If if you look back over your life, are there, you know, would you identify, you know, a couple of the better roads that you chose, and you say, you know, I'm so thankful for that because it really set me up for where I am today, who I am today. They were just mm-hmm. so instrumental and pivotal to who I am today. What, what would those better roads be for Nicole Kerr? Yeah.
0: Well, obviously the first is, you know, making Jesus the Lord of my life, but, yes, but not just stopping there, but letting him continue to mold me um, and, and learning about his character and his nature. Um, and like I said, like using those waiting periods to learn and grow. And I think, choosing to not waste those seasons I think was really important for my um my growth as a as a person um and it also has helped me to hold fast to who he is despite whatever season I'm in um he is faithful he is trustworthy he is good and because I um have allowed him to work on me through some less dire situations but still seasons of waiting when we get to the more uh, intense crises, you know, in our life, I think that's when we really get to put into practice of what we do know about God. And so, um, I think I'm, I'm very, very thankful that God helped me walk through, um, getting to know him and working on things in my own life so that in the next season of life, I don't have to deal with, you know, things back here. I can, I can move forward into what he has next for me. Um, but then I also think, um, one road that has made all the difference for me was waiting for the man that God had for me. You know, I think people tend to forget that Aaron lost five babies as well. Um, and in not just, he lost five babies, but he did it all while being helpless as I suffered through Mm -hmm. physical and emotional blows Mm -hmm. time and time again. and, And he could do nothing about it. Like there was nothing he could do about it um, but he, he wept with me. He was my rock through it all. Um, and he's been one of God's greatest gifts through all of this. So, um, and, he, and he's made it so that our, our home has that atmosphere of worship. Um, and because he's a worshiper and he's such an amazing father to our boys, you know, it's, um, it's helped us be able to thrive, you know, in the, the good seasons and the bad seasons. So, yeah. So I had to, Make sure that I did a shout Absolutely. out
1: to my wonderful husband, too. Absolutely, I'm <laughs> glad that you did. I think he will be, too. I think oh, yeah, he will I think be he happy too. For that too. So, <laughs> hey, Nicole, this has been a delightful time today. I've learned some things I didn't know, but also just saw a, a, in a deeper way some of the things I did know about you. Kind of different talking through a microphone to each other, though, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. (laughs) (laughs) But thanks for being a part of this and sharing your journey with us. And we thank you, our listeners, for being with us. And we look forward to seeing you next time.
0: You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.